My name is Steve Brannon, and I'm the state director for college ministry called Chi Alpha. So Chi Alpha is the Assemblies of God arm into colleges and universities. And so I'm the state director, and so I recruit people to do more ministry across our state on our different local campuses. I coach the current missionaries. I give them training, and I, I hope that I can inspire them and just continue to pour in vision and excitement into what they're doing. So, oh, it's much easier now. It was really loud, wasn't it? So anyway, so my name is Steve Brandon, Chi Alpha, and this class is called Overcoming Evangelism Stage Fright. So what we're going to do is we're going to dig in as far as maybe some painful, some, some why don't I do this, what, what's the deal with what's going on inside of my insides, and then I want to, from there, give some, some tricks, some helps, <clears throat> some clarity, because I totally think it's a win even just some of us in here talk about Jesus just a little bit more in our daily lives, in our regular lives. I mean, because the, the truth is, I've probably talked to 10,000 people one-on-one individually about Jesus um, in a variety of ways. I've gone out and done open-air preaching, which I had a pastor say open-air preaching doesn't work, and I would beg to differ. Um, that. I have so many stories. I'm going to have to try to keep it tight because, gosh, it's so fun to talk to people about Jesus and see what God does. So real fast for that, just because we're talking about it. I was open to preaching. Two Iraqis came up. They said, hey, is this, we wanted to see if you're really real. And so I got to interact with them. And one of the guys was a student at a community college. And he was in a class, a religions class, that they had a Hindu come in. They had a, an atheist come in. They, they were having all these different religions, but they weren't having a Christian come in. I said, well, I'd like to come in. And so he asked his teacher. I went into the class like I was invited in. And so I had basically a captive audience of 25 people. And I found out who spoke before me and who's going to speak the next week. And I explained Christ and him crucified and just basically witnessed to them, the 25, for an hour about Jesus and his you know, supremacy and explained why the guy in front of me was totally off and why the guy that's coming behind me is going to be totally off. And, and it went so well that the professor asked me to do it the next semester. So I didn't burn bridges because don't burn bridges, right? Because someone, hopefully another Christian is right behind you going to also walk on that same bridge versus if you're burning bridges, you're not helping. Make sense? And so I've opened our preach, uh, cold turkey witnessing where you just don't know the person. You walk up to him, you talk to him. Um, Definitely relationship evangelism, friendship evangelism, all that stuff, basically talking about Jesus. And so that if, if I can get more of us that's in the body of Christ talking about him, man, that's a win for me, that's a win for you, that's a win ultimately for Jesus. Because it's his kingdom that we're, that we're expanding and praying that he, is, that he would just radically move through our lives. Does that make sense? So before we jump in, I do want to pray. Uh, if that's all right with you, you pretty much can't say no anyway. So, all right, Jesus, we do love you. We thank you that, that all these people are here and Lord, we pray that you would move them one step farther in their desire and in their ability and even their techniques of how to talk to people about you. And that Lord, that ultimately that you would gain the glory and that you would gain children into your kingdom, that, that they would surrender their lives and make you their savior and their Lord. Lord, we pray for an anointed time, that this isn't just another time in our schedule, but Lord, that you would do some, some radical touching and healing into our lives. We give you all the praise and glory because you are due that you're most worthy. We give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So what I want to do is I want to ask you guys, what keeps you from 
or someone else, you know, if you don't want to share about you, but maybe what keeps someone else from talking about Jesus. And I'm not just talking open air preaching. That's like tier three. That's another class. But just in your normal everyday, I play on a soccer team. And so a guy, Phil Smith, he's not a Christian. He's a dad of two kids. And so how can I interact with that dad with Jesus? So what keeps people, what keeps you from, from stepping out and going for it to talk to people about Jesus? Go ahead. Okay, rejection. And I'm writing this up, hoping you can read it, but really, whatever. Okay, pride. Pride of what? What's pride mean? What do you mean pride? Who said that? Uh, just uh, too much pride. Like, you don't want to be overstepping boundaries. Okay, overstepping boundaries. That helps us. Okay, so overstepping boundaries. So it's sort of a, an interesting twist on honoring somebody. You're trying to honor somebody, which is legit. So, what about vulnerable? Like, they're, you're, you're going to someone and you're, you are trying to tell them why you personally aren't best in this. That you're holding, you're, like, basically you're holding yourself okay. to a So, you're not comfortable being open or yeah. being vulnerable with someone else. Okay. What else? Go ahead and just scream it out if you'd like. You could be wrong. Okay, fear of doing it wrong. Right, messing up. Right. Kind of on that thin line, and just that, that be able to answer questions that they to Yeah, messing up. Wrong answers. Forced. Okay, agenda, which then may turn off, turn them off. Anything else, real quick? Okay, so, and that's like two, like doubts, but then also just an immaturity of of knowledge, of understanding, right? I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's lots more. Uh, a lot of times, people say that they're just not good at it. Have you heard that, or do you feel that? You're just like, I'm just not good at it. Does, other than Mike, which probably he's just good at anything that he starts the very first time, is anybody in here just good at something the very first time you try it? Like bowling. I don't know if anyone can like be good at bowling. You can be better than some, but you're not good at bowling. But if you keep going and bowl, you get better and better. So, Mike, why don't you come up here? I'll test your skills. This is called a bongo board. Has anyone ever seen one of these? Right, that's the beauty of it. So basically it's just balancing. And so I just want to, he's never even done this either, and I just want to see how good he is. Because we have this whole idea that I'm not good at it. And you know what? That's okay. Don't break yourself, okay? You're just trying to balance on it. On the on the wheel. Do you want to need my arms too, or are you okay? And you cannot sue me, I hope. <laughs> it's not easy. And after the class, if you guys want to try it as well, you're welcome to try. 
Alright, a little bit more and then we're going to move on. Nice. Okay, good job. So it took him a while, but he finally got up on the, on the wheel, right? People say a lot of times, I just am not good at it. Well, very few things are you good at right, off, right out of the bat. And even if you're good at it, you probably aren't great. But if you do it more and more and more, you get better and better and better. Witnessing, talking to people about Jesus is no different. You get better and better. I've talked to thousands and thousands of people. I still mess up, but you know what? There's another person I can turn to and, and do, talk to them again, but I'm getting better and better and better at it. So let's ask this question. Um, why should we, or why is it expected of us, or why, why should we talk to people about Jesus? Why should we share Jesus? Evangelism is a fancy way to say it, but why, do we, why should we talk about Jesus? Supposed to be disciplers. So how about make, make disciples? Okay. Why else? Why talk about Jesus? Show his love. They need it. Absolutely. What were you going to say? Okay, they need to know. Show love, need to know. And you said they need. Okay. We need. Okay. Yeah, that, that's pretty important, right? Don't you think that's Eternity. Let's do this. How about that? Okay. Who will? What else? Good. So, so he is great, right? We need it. How about, he's worthy. Yeah. I mean, I would think if we're weighting these things, I think the highest weight is he's worthy. It's for his glory. It's for his majesty. It's for his expansion. It's because he is everything. And we are just blessed to be in his life and in his family. It's him. It's all about him. Right? So let's just put Jesus. Okay. So there's a couple things that we're going to talk about that can be called fear reducers, stress reducers. And the first one that I wanted to give you is perspective. Because we all wrestle with certain things in here, right? But when we look at these compared to the perspective of this, these pale in comparison to this, right? So we're going to talk about several aspects. The first one, simply just perspective, that we would gain a better perspective of what we're up against. I'm afraid. I'm not going to be good at it. I might mess it up. I may not know the answers. I, I'm just real young, which honestly, young Christians are great at witnessing typically. One, because they still have friends that are non-Christians. Two, because they haven't turned religious yet. They still are fresh in their honeymoon stage of I have been redeemed. He has saved me. He has delivered me. I'm no longer going back. I'm this way. It's awesome. That's what they're still there. This, the, the risk is when we start to get old in our faith. You guys go to Bob Evans ever? 
You ever? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. We're gonna. <laughs> and they give you that syrup, right? The syrup that's supposed to go on the pancakes. They sometimes put it on the side right there. If you leave that syrup and you deal with your toast and you deal with your other stuff and eventually you go to do the syrup and you start to pour it, what happens? There's like a skin, like a, a something on top of it. Because why? It hasn't been stirred up. It hasn't been moving. Our faith, we need it. Our faith is that element where we need to keep ourselves stirred up. Versus if you grab that and it comes and you stir it and you, do it and you just keep, keep doing it until you need it. Then it just comes right out, no problem. That's the same idea. Hopefully, the next time you go to Bob Evans, you think of that syrup and think, when's the last time I've shared my faith? When's the last time I've talked to somebody about Jesus? And so, I want to give you perspective. Next thing, if you're taking notes, clarity. Perspective is the first thing. Clarity. Let's define this first. I want to give a clear picture of what evangelism is and what it isn't. So Webster, I looked up Webster Dictionary, and it says, the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. One perspective. Urban Dictionary. What the American Christian Al-Qaeda does. Urban Dictionary is sort of like an edgy dictionary. It's like a slang vernacular type of way of, of defining things. And that was the nicer ones that I, uh, that I could that print. No, that's saying that we are so dogmatic and zealous in our beliefs that we're just as bad as the Al-Qaeda. We're just going to force our Christianity down your throat. Doesn't that make you want to love Jesus? <laughs> How about what the Bible says? Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 1 Peter 3.14.15 says, And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give an account for the hope that, you, that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give God glory and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 2 Timothy 4.1 and 2 says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in and His kingdom, preach or proclaim, use your mouth, proclaim the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great, pre- with great patience and instruction. So biblically, evangelism is talking about the goodness of the Lord. It's talking about God. It's talking about Jesus. That may include, include a story of your life, a testimony of your life, um, of God's faithfulness, His healing, His power, well, something that He's done financially, something that He's done in your life. You share that and then you also live it with your life. You, you back it up with how you're living. That's evangelism. I wanted to clarify that and bring clarity because a lot of times what we think is, I got to hit a home run. I got to get them to say the sinner's prayer. Which there's a real challenge in this, and I might step on some toes. But I recall Jesus, our Lord and Savior, saying, you don't go into war unless you figure out, can I, can I win this battle? You don't start building something unless you figure out, do I have enough to, to finish it? 
if we're just trying to get people into the sinner's prayer and then mark them down as one saved, it's like, really? Did they even have a chance to consider, do I have enough? Like, am I in? Or is this just a guilt thing that I'm feeling and I, and I just want to please you? All right, I'll share. So a group came to our church and they took us out witnessing. And I was like, sure, I like to witness. I brought my daughter and they were teaching us, which was great. And basically it was so difficult and frustrating because the whole goal of this guy was to make them repeat after him. And he was completely unaware socially of where these people were. And they were like, I just want to be done with this conversation. And I did too. (laughs) But he was so trying to get the numbers. And even at the end of the, the time that everyone was there and they reported on the numbers, I'm like, oh, Getting people just to say the sinner's prayer is not, is, first of all, his sacrifice on the cross is worth more than that. Not to just coerce someone, or you might talk to someone that's way nicer than you, probably nicer than me, and they'll just do it so that they make you happy, or so that they can end the conversation, or somehow get out of the situation, and yet we're still counting it as a sinner's prayer. So I want to bring clarity for us of evangelism. It's just sharing Jesus. You may be the planter, you may be the water, you may be the reaper, the harvester, and every single point in that, you celebrate. Every single point in that process, you're like, yes. Because here's the deal. If you have a normal conversation with somebody about Jesus, about God, which I hope you hear that, it is normal to talk about Jesus. Especially if he matters to you. It's very normal for me to talk about my wife and my kids because they matter. And so if, if it's just a normal thing and you have a normal conversation with somebody, that conversation won't just stop there. That's not a, like a dead end street. That person that just gets talked to by you will go back and talk to their roommate or to their spouse or to someone else say, you'll never guess what happened. I was just waiting to, to go get my hair cut in the mall and someone, someone came up to me and just started talking to me and it was good. Or... They, they were, I mean, just wherever they are in the conversation, wherever you meet them, they'll talk about it. Like I talked to Phil Smith, like I mentioned earlier, soccer. I play soccer with him. I, I just talked to him <clears throat> like he was already on my side, like he already got that Jesus is amazing. And so he's telling me something. I'm like, dude, praise God. I know he's not a Christian, but I don't care. He's on my team because God loves him. God loves me. We're together. We're never in combat. We're always together. And so I just talk, I'm jumping ahead. But so that conversation will go back to his wife and, and he's talking now to his wife. You'll never guess what Steve did and said. I was telling him about this and he said, praise God about my truck and uh, threw me. And so I asked, what are you talking about? And so, so we talked, really what happened? And so God, the Holy Spirit is at work, not just when you're talking with them, but then behind the scenes in their heart. And then when they talk to someone else, it's amazing his plan. So I want to bring clarity. So this isn't like you have to get up there and keep swinging home runs. <clears throat> and you think, man, I'm keep striking out. Honestly, you probably are because you're trying to swing home runs. Just get base hits and let the Lord bring them home. Base hits. So perspective, clarity, identity. And this identity... It's so much more than just evangelism, but we can talk about it here. Uh, There's a whole move, thankfully, praise God, in the Christian movement of having our our identity back grounded in Jesus. Who's heard of the term gospel identity? 
Okay, Jesse, obviously. This understanding, Jesse does Kafa up at Kent State. This understanding of everything I am, and you may not have heard the term, but you'll, this should sound familiar, and I would encourage you to continue to go deeper and deeper in this. Everything I am is not based on who I am or what I do. It goes all back to who is God, and His character informs and directs what He does and what He has done, which is Christ to the cross for us. From there, it defines who we are and then what we do. So even us talking about evangelism, I'm taking a risk because I'm talking about what we do. And oftentimes in Christendom, we start there. What do you do for Christ? And then that defines who you are. And then it goes back into what, because Jesus did this, and that helps us know who God is. That's the wrong progression of thought. If we get this understanding that my identity is completely engulfed by Christ and who He is, then everything changes. Now all of a sudden, I'm not defending my flesh when someone comes up against me. Not just witnessing, but just your spouse or your kids. And they call out something that is truly wrong, that you truly did wrong. All of a sudden, you're not defending yourself because you're like, you're right. I'm siding with my identity in Christ. And I'm siding with Christ and saying, that's wrong, me. Does that make sense? There's, there's a whole other talk about gospel identity, but I wanted you to, to have an understanding that as we're talking to people about Jesus, it truly is not about us. You've heard, I'm sure, that we are just the messenger. How about we just be good messengers? How about we just deliver the mail? Just deliver the message of the cross, of redemption, of freedom. I mean, you guys have testimonies. That alone, if you just share your testimony with somebody, whether it's a weaker person in the faith or a person that doesn't know Jesus, your faith starts to be built because you remember your first love. Because what happens is when we stop remembering our first love, we start to be lovers of self. And all of a sudden it becomes about me and what do I look like and how do I come across and can I do the right things and can I perform the right way and can I say the right answers and we're already on the wrong platform. The correct platform is Jesus and the gospel, the good news, what he's done for us. What he's done for us identifies me, defines me, marks me, leads me, guides me, focuses me. Everything falls back on who he is and what he's done. <clears throat> you see the difference? Maybe not. That's okay. I just wanted to implant this into you so that you'd start to look into it more and more of, well, where does my identity rest? Does it rest in my looks? Which is harder and harder the older we get. <laughs> it's true. Some of you guys used to look really good when you were younger. <laughs> I still love you. Nothing but love, mostly. So, but you know that. I know that. When I got married, I thought my wife was, you know, marrying up. I realized, boy, I was wrong. I'm married up. And she's still going up, and I'm still going down. So if my identity's in my looks, then I'm doomed. If my identity's in my strength, I'm doomed. If my identity's in my athleticism, I'm doomed. If my identity is in anything else other than Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that's our identity. From that identity, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. All things. Clarity, perspective, identity. Mike, why don't you come up here? Let's see if you can do this better. 
Who is God? While he's coming up. Who is God? If you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. This is the, the progression. This is how our thinking needs to be. Who is God? Don't start yet. What has he done? What he does is because of who he is. He sent Christ not because he had to, but because he wanted to, because of his love, because of his power, because of many different aspects of who he is. That dictates what he does. Then what he does dictates, decides, determines, informs, directs who we are. That's our identity. From there, then it leads us into what we do. What we do is last. Okay? Go ahead and try it. Here's the thing. It's interesting because as you work on things, even though he did it earlier, his brain has been working on it, whether he's purposely doing it or not, while he's at rest. He's much better, isn't he? Already. He, he, it wasn't even like he was doing it for the last half hour. He stopped, went and sat down, and now he's much better. Okay, good. Stop. Good job. Good job. Go away. Good job. Did you notice the difference? This is a simplistic way of showing the, that actually several things. It ties into evangelism of the more you do it, the better you get. The more you do it, the better you get. The more you do it, the better you get. And the cool thing is God has designed our brains to get better at it even when we're not trying. Just like that, he wasn't thinking the entire, I hope, otherwise you've missed a lot of stuff I've said that hopefully was good. He wasn't thinking, how could I have done that better? Right? He wasn't obsessing or worrying about, how can I do that better? Even still, his body is still figuring out, it's just, his brain's still working somehow. When it comes to evangelism, you don't have to worry and obsess, can I do this better? And I'm like, uh, no. You do it and then you rest. And the cool thing is it's not just something physical, this is spiritual. And so this isn't just about you going and sharing the gospel. The Holy Spirit has a huge part in that, in that movement, in that plan. Where it's not just you knowing and learning and saying, well, that didn't work out so well. Oh, I better try this way. I'd like to do this differently. But then the Holy Spirit's going to also glide, uh, lead you and guide you more and more clearly. You get better at hearing his voice because you're sticking your neck out. And he's like, I don't want you to get your head cut off. So I'm going to tell you back up real quick. He leads you and he guides you and you get more and more used to hearing his voice, more and more hearing his prompting. He, has to, he doesn't have to yell at you anymore. He can just whisper to you like the still small voice that the Bible tells us about where you're all of a sudden able to hear because you're witnessing, because you're, you're signed up. You're like, I'm in. Talking to people about Jesus does so many different benefits in your life as a Christian. When I know I'm on, which I, I pray that I'm thinking that every single day, I'm on. God's going to call me. God's going to ask me to talk to somebody in a normal way. We'll talk about the, ticks, the trips and ticks. Tips and tricks. I knew that there's a... <laughs> tips and tricks. We'll talk about those later. But if I know or if I'm ready, then sin has a lot less desire in my life because I don't want to be a loser and then get, try to get used by God knowing that the devil's actually right because I did just do that. Because the devil is an accuser of the brethren. That's what it tells us, right? I don't want to give him more food. I don't want to give him something like accurate that I just 
was gossiping about this guy, and now I'm ready to go talk about Jesus. And I was like, you were just gossiping. I'm like, I know, be quiet. But if I know I'm going to talk about the Lord, which I'm, I'm always on the ready, I want to talk about him, then sin all of a sudden has a lot less desire in my heart and my life. We always know that Christ lived a sinless life, a perfect life. He did that not because he pulled the God card whenever it was hard. He did that because his identity was wrapped up in the Father. He knew the Father. And it would have been ridiculous for him to trade in a steak for spam, a steak for junk. It would have been ridiculous for him to trade in a life led for the Lord and honoring the Lord for anything less. He was able to live sinless because he knew who he was. Sin all of a sudden has a lot less hold on us when we know who we are. And not because I'm amazing at this, that, or the other. That's not it at all. You're missing that whole thing if that's where where we're thinking. He conquered all the temptations because of his identity. Okay, so we got all those things. Last one, and then we'll talk about tricks and tips. And then we'll do some questions. Um, This is gigantic. I was doing this without realizing why. And then a mentor of mine brought it up. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's, that's right. Motivation is key to establishing your ability to overcome any stage fright, any fear, any nervousness, any intrepidation. You need to know why you are motivated. What motivates you to talk about Jesus? Because in the past, so often at least where I grew up, and I've grown up a Christian my whole life. I've grown up in actually pretty healthy churches. Uh, I grew up in a happy, clappy church is what I called it, where we sang, this is the day, this is, anybody? Yep, no one? Anybody else? What about, I can run through a troop and jump over a wall, hallelujah. Anybody? Those are, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my sword and my shield. So, I mean, I knew God was fun my whole life. I enjoyed him my whole time. And yet even still, I got this, this push to talk about Jesus, which we called it big words like evangelism from guilt, from manipulation, from force, right? Anybody else have grown up that's like, I'm supposed to, and I don't want to, but I'm supposed to, to be a good Christian. Wrong identity. It's not Christ's identity. To, to make my pastor happy. To make my pastor stop asking me if I have. To make myself feel like I've, I've checked a box off. All these different things have been our motivation, and it only lasts for this long. Phenomenal things throughout history have been done because of the, a powerful motivation. Differing. People are motivated in different ways. So what I wanted you to think of is what would be your motivation? I was talking to one of my campus pastors and I asked her, what's your motivation to talk to students about Jesus? And it's not just something that you can flippantly grab. You do need to stop and, and think about it. And that's what I want you guys to do soon. She said, well, I guess when I pull back the, the guilt, because that was her first motivation. Some of you guys might have even come in here to learn about this motivated by guilt. I know I'm supposed to be better at this, so I better go. You don't have to raise your hands, but I'm sure that was some. I know this is what Christians are supposed to do, and I'm not good at it. I should go. I want us to move off of the shoulds should go. And so she peeled back, okay, when I stop feeling I should because of guilt, it's because I love people. 
And that was so on, t- on target for her because she is the lover of people. That's like a definer aspect of who she is. She's a lover of people. My motivation, you might be able to tell this, but like I like to play and I like to compete and I like to have fun. My motivation for this area of my Christianity is because I don't like that the devil wins when Christ is the victor. Christ has already won the victory and yet the devil's sneaking in like a poser and he's, and, he's, and he's telling people, no, your sins haven't been forgiven because your sins haven't been paid for because Jesus isn't anything big deal. And that ticks me off. And so for me, my motivation is, oh, uh-uh. My Jesus is worth my nerves, my, my concerns about doing it wrong, my not knowing the answers. For me, what pushes me past a lot of those, and believe me, I've talked to tons and tons of people. I still feel those. I feel that. In varying levels, depending on where I am emotionally, physically, food, tired, whatever I'm, uh, whatever's going on in relationships around me, I feel those in varying degrees. But for me, my motivation is I don't want the devil to win because Jesus has already won the victory. He's already won. It's just my job to say, we win! Join! Join the family! Because we win, because he wins! Remember when Jesus says that take heart because I've overcome the world. In this world you have many troubles, but take heart. He wasn't going nanny boo boo. I'm better than you. I'm happy, but you just have to deal with it. No, he's like, my victory is your victory. That's again that gospel identity. You see that, how it's woven through everything. His victory is our victory. And so that's, that's my personal motivation. Your personal motivation might be I just super, super love God so much. And that's wonderful. And that's my motivation for other things. My motivation for other things is I'm just going to give you this as an offering to you because I can't stand doing this. But this is, to off, this is an offering to you. A thank offering or a, a sacrifice offering. What are some other motivations can you think of? What's another motivation? Maybe even yours. Amen. The freedom of Christ is for freedom He set us free. And we're walking around seeing people bound in bondage when they don't have to. That's a motivation. I might steal that the next time I go talk to people. <laughs> I've always liked to fight. And that's just the truth. I've always been a fighter. So we might as well fight on the right thing, right? Exactly. Right. Praise the Lord. What are some other motivations? There's, um, you grabbed the one I was going to say. Experience freedom from bondage personally. God sets you free. Right. You feel the weight. If you've forgotten it, go back in your brain and your memory and say, what have you done? How did I feel before I knew you? Because here, I was talking with a friend. The devil's a liar, right? The Bible says that he's the father of lies. But the Bible also tells us that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world, correct? I'm a Christian, so he is in me. What about those that are not in Christ? Christ is not in them. He is not, they have not said, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. So what do they do when they hear the lies of the devil? Even more than we do. They believe them. Right? They believe you're worthless. You might as well kill yourself. You're worthless. You might as well do drugs. You're worthless. You might as well sleep with that guy. You're worthless. You m- 
and they don't have anything fighting against from the inside. That might mean, may be a motivator saying, God, get inside of them. Jesus, light up their heart, light up their life so that they can spot the lies of the devil versus the truths of the Holy Spirit. So for just a minute, I want you to think, like, think what is in this area. And actually, I would encourage you to look through many different areas of Christianity, like activities, later, not now, and figure out what's my motivation for that. What is my motivation to read the Bible? Is it because I'm supposed to? Is it because I need to get through a Bible in a year? And I'm behind on my, on my Bible app on my phone? Most likely that's some of your motivation sometimes, right? But it'd be good to say, God, what is my motivation to read your word? For me, I want to know more about him because I love it when he wins. And so every time I'm like, yeah, that's another win. I like to win. So, so I would encourage you to look through different aspects of your life and say, God, what is, what's my motivation for here? For prayer, what's my motivation? Is it because we're supposed to? Is it because that's the next five minutes in my quiet time of a half hour? So for now, right now, let's do that. You can do it. What would be your motivation to talk to people about Jesus? Whether we're talking cold turkey, you don't even know him, or talk to your, to your um, cantankerous uncle, or cousin, or nephew, or niece. What would push you? And it's got to be legit for you. It can't be, well, my husband's is this. doesn't matter. That's not how you operate. You operate as a fighter. He might be a lover. You know what I mean? So his motivation would be different than yours. All right, so go for it. All right, if you haven't figured it out yet, I would encourage you to do it. Um, honestly, it's probably a lot easier than you might be even making it because it is who you are. It's just something that is an identifier already. Obviously, you might have a couple layers of guilt and shame and all these things that you might have to peel back. But ultimately, I would ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me what would be a motivator? What, what would actually carry enough heft, enough weight to push me over the concern, to push me over the fear, to push me so that when my brain says and my heart says, mention me, and my mouth says, no, that you would actually say, yes. And then you would say, praise God, Phil, that's awesome. I love your truck too. It's awesome. He was talking about his truck. But just me simply saying, praise God. Open the door. Sometimes, well, you didn't say Jesus. Believe me, I'm hitting a base hit. That was a bunt. But from that bunt, he ran with it and let me keep swinging. And we then talked. We sat at my house. He was dropping me off. We sat in his truck, his really nice truck, for like a half hour talking about Jesus, about what I do and how that affects his life. And he's got two twin boys that are awesome that already are people of peace. They already are ready to receive the gospel and they just need a man in the house to model it for them. And that's my prayer for Phil and his boys, Colton and Keaton. Here's some tick, some, gosh, here's some good ideas. And then we'll do Q&A a little bit. Um, and this is all under the, the understanding that it doesn't have to be as difficult as you're making it. It doesn't have to be as fancy as you're making it. There's no like angel police hovering over you 
seeing if you did it exactly right as far as like, did you say that Jesus is your Savior, then your Lord? Because he does save you before he's Lord and Lordship of... There's no angel police over this, okay? This is just the Holy Spirit moving through you as children of the King, sharing about his kingdom. So here's some ideas. Look for common interests. And this applies to just random cold turkey strangers. This applies to friends. This applies to whoever you're going to be interacting with, even at a, at a grocery store or at a restaurant. Common, common interest. I was walking up the street on uh, High Street, Columbus. I had just finished talking about, uh, just finished preaching to our Kafa group at Ohio State. And I'm walking, and there was a guy that was right next to me, and he had a Cavs shirt on. I'm a Cavs fan. I know probably way too many stats about LeBron and the Cavs than I should as a pastor, but I do. So he's wearing a Cavs shirt, and so I just struck up conversation. I don't know this guy from Adam or Eve. I don't know him. And so we're walking up, and I said, hey, I like your shirt. Thanks. Are you a, are you a real fan or are you a bandwagon fan? Because that's my personality. It may not work for you, but it worked for me. And he's like, oh, I'm a fan. I'm like, really? And he's like, I grew up in Cleveland. So boom, we're talking. The whole, so now we're walking, we're walking many, many blocks, talking about the Cavs. And eventually, because I know we're just talking normal, the conversation is not going to only stay on the Cavs because we're people. And so he says, why are you here? Are you a student? I said, clearly not. I'm too old. <laughs> I said, but I just got done talking to a bunch of students about Jesus. He didn't say, oh, Jesus, get away from No, he didn't do anything. He's like, oh, cool. And I said, are you a student? And so we're still interacting, but it started with just a common interest. His shirt. As you, as you get more and more used to looking for common interests, for looking for things that you like too, then it's much easier. Gosh, I, like things are triggering. So what you like too. So here's the deal. God will set you up with people that are very similar to you. He will interact, have people interact with you that are already similar to you whether it's similar to you in in your personality you might be like one of those a lot of times that i hear is i'm shy i don't see the shyness factor excusing you from the great commission the cool thing is shy people interact with shy people really well so god will connect you in your personality with the person that is very similar that that can interact with your personality beautifully. I'm pretty strong. Usually I go to the harder people because I figure, hey, they've tattooed and and pierced themselves up so that they're saying, stay away. I don't get that. So I just go in and talk with them. But, But maybe I would overpower somebody that is super mousy, super quiet, super like, don't, you know, and that's okay. Because if we as an army of God are out there, then there's other parts of the body of Christ that can interact with that person much more effectively than I can. So whether you're shy, whether any different area, aspect of your life, God will run you into if you're choosing to, if you're willing, if you're saying, God, I'm up. I'm awake. I want the devil to freak out when I wake up. Versus, oh, that person's awake. Doesn't matter. Move on. Nothing to see here. But if there's more of us in the body of Christ saying, I'm up, I'm ready. Then God will set, set us around people that are ready to hear. Another idea. So that was, that was probably farther down on the list. Another aspect, another tip or trick understanding 
if you're doing stuff for Jesus already in your life, that gives you stuff to talk about. Oh yeah, I just finished talking to a bunch of people about, a bunch of students about Jesus. That's just what my life was doing. And it's not just, oh, it's because you're a pastor. How about, yeah, if you're generous with your funds on a regular basis, that can work into your conversations. Hey, hey, let me get you this coffee. Oh, no, you don't have to do that. You've heard that, right? But everyone's thinking, thank goodness. Right? They're happy that, they're, that you're doing it, but they say that. And say, so, oh, no, I love treating people. Okay. That conversation then can, this is to someone that you know or someone that you semi-know or someone that's in the PTO or someone connected with you. That conversation can lead to so much more because your lifestyle is a life of evangelism, a life of I'm following Jesus, I'm a giver because he gave, he first gave to me, so I just give. Because if you do that, why are you doing that? Well, I'm just so blessed. That's a word people use. They're, they're, Okay, so I'll say this next. Another trick or tip. Throw out little little bait words. Throw out little help words. Praise God. That's not said much in our culture anymore. And if you actually mean it, which I did, it just slipped out. I'm like, whoop. But then I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that that's in me. That that's like, you sque- I get squeezed and that's what comes out. I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> but if, if you're sharing something and just some, some bait words, some words that aren't typically said come out, or you choose to say them, that's like a, how are you going to bite? What's going to happen? Where's this conversation? So God just blesses me big time. And they could say, good for you. And then you don't push it. Or they could say, what do you mean? Then you take another step forward and say, man, look at my family. I mean, we don't deal with sickness very often at all. That's a huge blessing. Another word. So I just said, praise God, blessing. You know, and so there's just these different um, bait words. What are some other bait words other than praise God, praise Jesus, blessings? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's very not typical in our vernacular. So that's like that's like chum versus just bait. But anybody fish, you know, <laughs> right? That's like the whole the whole nasty. But yeah, so that that's word, and that would be specific to where you are because it's a very Christianese word. But yeah, what else is another word that might? God is good. Yeah. Man, so you're telling me about something that happened. Man, God is good. Okay, so I want you to think through some more of those bait words. Um, another aspect that just uh, got triggered because I looked at you for some reason. Well, God is good, right? <laughs> um, oh, I lost it though. Oh, well. Another one. Focus on them. Maybe you did this when you were younger. I'm pretty sure certain all guys did this when we were younger, trying to get a date with a girl, and you would practice how the conversation would go. Anybody? No, seriously, like I'm looking for hands. Like, okay, I, I, I figured that table, good deal. Yeah, it's like, okay, if she says this, I'll say this. But if she says this, then I'll say this. And then if, that's like an, an affinity loop. I mean, that, that can go on and on and on, right? And it never works out how you thought it would. She doesn't say A, B, or C. It's the same thing with witnessing. You don't plan out what you're going to say. Talk to them like a normal person. Talk to them like you'd like to be talked to. In other words, listened to. Focus on them. 
don't plan it out. So the Cavs thing, he said, I'm from Cleveland. I didn't have that in my ABC. I hadn't worked it out. I didn't know that he was going to, I thought he was going to say fan or bandwagon. Oh no, he says Cleveland. Bye. You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay, so focus on them. Listen to them. Here's another trick, tip. Most of the time, especially if they're cold turkey, if you just don't really know them, like that guy on the street, um, I have so many stories, but like him, um, they're already thrown off a little bit by talking to somebody. There is an element of, of awkwardness. There will be an element because our society, especially now, has isolated them with this. They isolate themselves. It's pitiful. I was in the restaurant the other day. I counted 11 out of 13 people were on their phones, including two kids. One was an eye thing. I mean, they're there as a family, four of them all on their phones. So our society is this way. So it's going to be a little awkward. But if you're normal, then the awkwardness isn't like forever. Okay? Because we, regardless of our culture pushing us this way, pushing us away from community, we all need community. We all need connection with people. And so this is just another way for you to engage in them. So, so you're focusing on them. You're listening to what they say. You're also listening to what they mean versus what they say. Because most likely, and I sure hope, that the bait words will in, involve you in a normal, a deeper conversation. But some of their ask, some of their questions, even if you don't know the answer, honestly, they don't care about that answer. It's a smokescreen or it's a barricade or it's a protection for what really matters to them. And so instead of being duped by just falling down this rat, rabbit trail of, well, what about the pygmies in, in so-and-so that have never heard about Jesus? I just had that happen this last Wednesday. That very question. It was about people, tribes in Africa, never heard about Jesus. And I said, well, do you really care about them in the first place? Because no, he doesn't care. He doesn't even know what they're called. <laughs> right? And so I backed up. And asked him, like, what are you really asking? What really, what really matters? So that's another trick or tip. Ask questions. If you get stuck or if you get frozen, ask a question. What do you mean by that? Right? So you're, you're just, you're developing more of the conversation. Especially if you run into your dead end, you're like, I have nothing more to say. Honestly, if you have nothing more to say, one good thing is, hey, great meeting you. And then leave. Trusting that the Lord's going to continue to work on that ground. Versus forcing it. I have nothing more to say. Uh, well, and, and then sometimes you let religion sneak in, which is not good. And you just try to power through. It's like, no, the Holy Spirit was saying, I'm done here too. This person needs to breathe. This person needs to process just a little bit that you've told them. Because when you said, man, isn't the father good? That's another, another phrase that you could say. And that might throw some off. But if they have any background in Christianity, that might trigger them, good or bad. They might have a bad experience with father. And so maybe that just that small conversation might be enough for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives because their father was abusive. And so you don't want to keep pushing because you're religious and because you've got to get... You've got to make the sale. You've got to close the deal. Please let the Holy Spirit close the deal. And He may choose you later. And that's happened multiple times. He may choose your friend. And you're like, praise God. I wish it was me, but praise God. Another trick or tip. Most likely, they're, 
Uh, this is when you just talk to people out of the blue. They're probably just as nervous as you are, if not more. And they're going to be focusing on themselves as well. And how am I coming across them? Am I being blah, blah, blah? So how about we both focus on them? Does that make sense? Because a lot of times, if I just come up and talk to you, a lot of times you'll think, is my breath smell? Is, you know, am, I, am I engaging enough? Am I looking? You know what I mean? They're thinking a lot about themselves. So how about we both think about them? And don't worry about yourself. Don't, don't fret over, am I saying things exactly right? Okay? Oh, gosh. I said ask clarifying questions. You don't need to be Mr. or Mrs. Answer, Mr. Answer Man or Mrs. Know-it-all. If you don't know the answer, you've heard this, I hope. Just say, I don't know. That's a good question. The next question you could then say is, what do you think? What about all the people in Africa that never heard Jesus? That's a really hard question. What do you think? That's going to get to the core of what they're really asking. By asking, I don't know. What do you think? Or that's deep. Or that's a strong question. What about all homosexuality? And don't Christians hate homosexuals? Dude, that is a strong question. Like I've had this where you're talking to somebody out of the blue. I'm just meeting them and they throw in the real hot topic buttons. And sometimes I'm like, that is a huge hot topic button. Do we want to jump there? Can we just say that my name is Steve? Good to meet you and bring it back down to normal level. Because honestly, I'm not fighting them. This is not me against this, against them. That's another aspect, another idea, another understanding. This is not war. This is not a battle of the wits. And this is not a battle of who's, who's right and who's wrong. Because honestly, Jesus is right. He wins. He's already won. My job as a follower of Christ is to, get, is, to, is to get alongside with the person I'm talking with. In other words, connect with them and knowing that the devil's the enemy, God's the, the winner, the victor, and that's who sent me. Does that make sense? I think I jumbled that a little bit. Last thing, and then, then we have like two minutes. Talk like they understand. Just like you would do a Baptist, and they don't get the whole healing stuff, some of them, or tongues, or prophecy, or even hearing from God. They may never like ever heard from God. Just say, I was praying, and God just, I just felt like God told me. You wouldn't say, oh, and I, I know you don't believe in that, and that's okay, but, but I just feel this way, and I believe this way. No, 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 don't do that. You just share, I was praying, and I felt like God told me. Same way when you're witnessing. Talk like they already get it, like they already are understanding. Because what you're doing is you're already discipling them. You're pre-discipling them into the kingdom. You're knocking some barriers out early before they can get religious later. Does that make sense? So talk to them as if they already understand. So the other day I was just figuring, gosh, what should I do? And I just felt like God said, go do this. It was awesome. And already your friend or your connection or whoever you're talking to is like, that was different. And they might say it, they might say it later, but you're not forcing anything. You're just putting out aspects for the Holy Spirit to work and, tr- and move in. Good. Okay, any, any question or two? Yes. Um, in regards to uh, training others for evangelism and helping others get over their fear of evangelism, what steps can yes. you take Yes, good. Uh, for that? So he asked, what do we do to help other people get good at it? What I've done a ton is we go out and we do cold turkey evangelism. It means we just go out and talk to people total strangers. The first time I go, I take one person. We always look for one person. We don't look for groups because they're different groups than singles. They're trying to impress each other. 
And so they're not, you're not talking to the real person. You're talking to the caricature of what the group feels like that person is. And so you go to look for the single and then you get on their level. So if I'm talking to you with you, I come and I try to sit down on your level. So I'm not over. That's intimidating. I'm aware of where's the sun even. If the sun's behind me, I don't want to stand here because it looks like I have a halo. Right? So I know you guys can see it, but you know. So, <clears throat> but you get on their level. And then the first time, especially, I say, let's say you're the, the person that's nervous. I say, hey, just stand there and be nervous for the both of us. Okay? You don't have to talk. You don't have to say anything. Just, just stand there and smile. You know? So then we talk. And so he just does nothing. The next time I introduce, he doesn't have any pressure to do anything again. He might interject though. I'll say, hey, if you feel like saying something, feel, go, for it. go for it. The third time, I still do the introduction. The introduction is the hardest part on cold turkey. Um, that's where you look for common interests. Next time, it's like, hey, I'm going to introduce, but I want you to try to carry more of the load. The next time, I'll introduce, but then you carry all of the load. Next time, you introduce. All right, so we do it typically five Five people you can talk to in like, depends on what the conversations are, in like an hour easily. And that five progression helps them get a little bit more comfortable. The hardest part is the, it, and after each one, hey, how'd that go? First, we pray for the person, you know, behind their back, whatever, it doesn't matter. We just pray for them after we leave. And then how'd that go? What happened? Man, I, I totally missed it. God uses pairs, by the way. When you go out and witness it's awesome because they'll have experiences that you don't have that God is using their experience in this person's life. Like, for instance, a student I brought out, his dad died six months earlier. It's a huge deal. He's a student. This person that we talked to, his dad died two months earlier. I don't have anything like that. But all of a sudden, the person that was going to just be standing there being nervous, he felt, I, I have this relation because this happened. And they ministered to him. And it was awesome because God is so good at orchestrating um, it's 2.02, so we need, need to go because 2.15 is your next class. Um, I'm here, so if you have questions, my prayer is that, let me just pray this actually. I don't have to tell you what my prayer is. I'll just pray it. God, I ask that you would take anything that's hindering us from sharing you, whether we're talking about family members or strangers or friends or acquaintances or anybody around us in our sphere of influence. Lord, I pray that you would Enable and empower by your spirit with wisdom and understanding and care and grace. Seasoned with salt, our conversations as well as our lives. So that, Lord, your kingdom would be, would be um, advanced and that your will would be done. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, everybody.